Welcome into the 11 Dubcast presented by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. I am Bo Bishop, Johnny Ginter on the other side, my friends. Uh, listen, I, I was told, to st- I was doing the radio show today with uh, Laurenitis, and he said we were talking about uh, actually the Cleveland Browns and about how they had victory Mondays. And he said, you know, the, the Patriots don't do victory Mondays. And I said, I didn't know that. And he said, he goes, well, rarely, it rarely, if ever, do they do victory Mondays. And he said, and, and of course, you know why it's because they're the Patriots and they expect to win on Sundays. And so you don't get a day off for doing what you're supposed to do. That's, that's not the idea. And, and while we were talking about Ohio state at the time, it reminded me of, of the way that I view Ohio state, which can win 49, 26 on homecoming. And I walk away from it going, eh, eh, we're still not, we're not there. And we, we talk about this a lot because it's, it's really the standard with which you judge a program, right? And yeah. Ohio state has reached a level to where there there are very few peers and really only one program superior in 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 Alabama. That's it. Um, and so you're because you're chasing them and you know that they're out there. Um, you're you're held to a little different standard. So I'll start with this to you. When you got done watching on Saturday, your feelings were what? Mm, I uh, I was sleepy and hungry, and I. <laughs> And I kind of wanted to just legitimately almost had a spit laugh there because I just had taken a drink. So that was that was well job. Good job out of you. I had very few feelings. I I, I was glad it was over. The the game yeah. felt like it, it almost took like four hours and it felt like it took eight. Yeah. I wanted to be somewhere else doing something else so I didn't have to think about it very much. Mm-hmm. It like I don't know, man. The Ohio State, I love watching Ohio State football. I know that's the caveat we always have to say, but they're like, it just feels like there's two or three games every season where I'm like, man, I could be doing literally anything else. <laughs> it's yeah. just because I, re- I will say towards the end of the game, that feeling did go away because I was super invested in whether or not Dwayne Haskins was going to get the single game passing yardage record. I was unbelievably invested in that. that yes, that was in crash and flames really cool. in front of me. Um, but man, it's Indiana. Indiana always plays Ohio state tough. They did it last year. They've done it in years past. They did it this year. Ohio state clearly did not have their a game. They had talked about how they didn't have a great week of practice going into it. You come off an emotional one against Penn state. So you might be a little bit down. It just wasn't, you know, it wasn't the kind of excitement level that you want, but it's a win and they overcame some obstacles and Dwayne Haskins still looked incredibly good. And, you know, you what you had 600 yards of offense there. You can't legitimately complain about too much, at least on the offensive side. Um, there's there's some things that will nitpick, I'm sure. But it's just, you know, it's not one of those games that elicited a huge reaction from me. And frankly, mm-hmm. I there some of the games coming up, I'm way more worried and way more interested in than I think I was going into this one. So, you know, it, it was just one of those games. And I and I, it's a it's. It's a mid-season, lower-tier Big Ten game, and sometimes those aren't the most fun things in the world. No, they're not. And um, use the word nitpick, and I, I don't. I, I just take a, a little bit of umbrage with that. Not not with you personally, but just the idea of that because of of the standard that I'm judging them by. So sure. the the things that I have problems with are things that are preventing them from beating Alabama when they play them. Because if you watch Alabama on a Saturday and you watch Ohio State on a Saturday and you say, okay, we're playing light competition, Arkansas and Indiana, similar 
type teams. And right. and if you want to sub out Arkansas for Ole Miss or whoever Alabama is going to beat by 65 this week, I mean, that doesn't really matter. Um, but, but the idea is, is how does Ohio state look up against the competition? And there are two things that Ohio state does not do at a championship level. And number one is play defense. They just don't, I mean, they get gashed. Uh, consistently, this is we're into this thing now, right? They kind of, I think they kind of are who they are defensively, um, barring a change in in scheme away from so much man. We're almost exclusively man, um, which is something Shiano like Shiano likes to play most, and it's it's a situation where big plays happen, and this has happened in every single game that we've played all year, and it happened in this game as well. And and the the personnel isn't going to change, so the only thing that can change is going to be the scheme. And so unless they move to some zone principles where they're not giving up these huge chunks of yardage in quick, quick bursts, uh, I don't think that's going to change. So, so you're not at an Alabama level, level defensively. Um, and then they, they are not to this point. They're not running the ball. They have not figured out how to run the ball in both short yardage instances, third and one, you know, that type of stuff. They don't have any go-to play that they know they're going to get a yard with since JT Barrett's not there and they don't have a running quarterback. And then in just the run game in general, has not been to the level um, that it's been under Urban Meyer. Now, some of that is obvious because you have Dwayne Haskins, but the counter versus a running quarterback. But the counter to that is Ezekiel Elliott had three of his best games as Ohio State tailback, playing with a quarterback who didn't like to run, uh, who right. wasn't a threat. So they figured it out then, and they haven't figured it out yet now. And I will acknowledge that some of that is that Ezekiel Elliott's one of the best running backs on planet globe. And that has something to do with it, but we got two really good ones. And for JK Dobbins to average three yard, 3.2 yards of carry against Indiana, that's not right. There, there's something that's, that's happening there in the run game. That that's, that's not what you, what you need to be to be a, a championship level. That being said, you have a championship level passing game. You yes. are every bit what Alabama is passing the football you, you can run. And because of that, and maybe that's why I hold everything else to such a high standard. Ohio state has an, a, a, an opportunity to hang with Bama and beat them because of Dwayne Haskins and how excellent he is. And the fact that the receivers are really good um, now being coached by uh, Brian Hartline. And there's a difference with them too. I mean, they don't drop, they run precise routes. They're where they need to be. They catch almost nearly everything thrown their way, barring a couple of exceptions as the season has gone on. But they, we had six guys catch for over 40 yards in the win against Indiana. We had, um, you, you want to talk about spreading the ball around. They did that led by Paris who had the best game, but Dwayne's ability to throw the football anywhere he wants. And, and this passing offense is stunning. 455 yards, six touchdowns. I was with you. The only thing, the Arch Schleister record, <laughs> is one that has kind of hung over the program for a long time. And when I yeah. used to play the NCAA college football and you do the dynasty, and right. when I would play with Ohio State, the thing I would try to do right away, because they had the actual records, <laughs> they had the actual school records. So the thing that I would try to do immediately if I was Ohio State is I would try to get that record out. I want yeah. no part of Fleister's name in a record book. Um, ideally, so I, ideally, you would have a guy who's not in federal prison at the yes. uh, top of your record books, and right, who's just a brutal human being, just a yeah. bad guy. Like he just so like here was Haskins. You go, holy keck, he's got a chance. Now the good news is he 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 might get it somewhere else down the line, but this is a record that's been there for nearly forty years. Oh man, I, I mean, it's look, been there a long time, Bo, and it's I it, I, man, it just I needs to go. You know, I don't know that. 
I appropriately, <laughs> I said it on Twitter, but I don't know that I appropriately expressed it uh, on the site through my writing about how unbelievably angry I was <laughs> that, you know, you know how many yards, like somebody has to have told Urban and there's no way that he didn't know that that record was coming up. That somebody should have been screaming. Oh. Some assistant should have it like waving a paper in front of his face. Like he needs X amount of yards. <laughs> I just, how do you not let him get that? I don't, I don't get it. I really don't get you it. You think got they, so you, in federal prison and another guy who's position. not in federal prison. I want the guy who's not in federal prison to have that record. I just, I your position is, is that they so kept him mad for breaking it. it. Your oh position is, is that they purposely kept him for breaking it. My position would be that they had no idea. I don't think they cared. I, that's the thing. I think they knew about it. Like, eh, not a priority. And then it didn't. I don't think they were trying to. I don't think they were protecting Art's record or anything like that. I don't think right, that's the case right, at right, all. Right, right, I just don't think right. they gave a crap, and I think they should yeah, have given they weren't way more of a crap. <laughs> that so. should be the objective in one of these games, and it's hard to get. Obviously, it's very difficult to get four fifty eight. Like, yeah, that's a big number for you know, especially at a place that runs it as much as Ohio State has over the years. That that is a big number. But we've had prolific quarterbacks in terms of Joe Germain, Troy Smith, and now Dwayne, and even JT. I mean, we've we've had guys who have thrown regularly for 300 yards, but you think about getting that extra 158 to get to 458. It's it Man. obviously it hasn't been done, and it's been it's held for a very long time. And Dwayne was close. He that last kind of jet sweep put him to 455. Right? Is that yes? That was correct. The, he, he finished four, three, three yards ever. short, <laughs> and he finishes three yards short. And then because they go to victory, when as soon as Urban said victory, I just started throwing things at the TV. Like no, I know. That's what I'm saying. Let him run a receiver screen. Let him do anything. Just right. get me six yards so this is over with. I mean, I by the way, I need more to be four bow, yards. I, I just want to add this. How utterly insane is it that we're here, sitting here in early October uh, of this season? Whereas I would say that exactly one calendar year ago, we were talking about how Ohio State's passing game and the wide receivers yes. have no idea what they're doing. And that's right. It'll never recover, and it uh, nothing That's makes right. sense. And the only thing, you know, I, JT Barrett's great, but he's never going to be the guy to get you know the passing game going. All the other stuff, I I think it is insane that Ohio State as an offense, and not that they couldn't do this, you know, in general, not that they couldn't scheme it up, but just that a year removed from 2017, you have a team that has 600 yards of offense and. 455 of them are through the air. <laughs> like that is not something I would have expected a year ago. No, and I would be remiss if I I think it would be foolish not to wonder, especially in the light of what you know what Clemson did is um to not revisit and and you can have this conversation without being with and at the same time still be very appreciative of JT Barrett, but you I think it is also fair to say what if Haskins would have played sooner? Yeah. I mean, it's a brutal tough decision, but it's one Nick Saban had to make at Alabama where he had a kid who was 26 and two and took him to two national championships. And he benched him because Tua a lot took their offense to another level. It's one that happened at Clemson with Kelly Bryant, where he took him to the playoff and, and then he's out because they, they, the ceiling is higher with, with Trevor Lawrence. Um, it would have been, obviously there was a JT Barrett was, was an incredible college football player, but I also think that the ceiling for the offense is significantly higher with Dwayne Haskins. And I wonder if, if things would have played out differently had you had Haskins playing last year, some, you just wonder that he was put in a yeah. boiler in at Michigan and made a throw that JT couldn't make. 
And, and again, like they, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. You know, you can, you can be, I mean, it, it's happened. It's happening right now at Alabama. Like they, they benched a kid who's 26 and two because yeah. they're better with Tua and, and Clemson did the same thing. Like there's a ruthlessness to this. And I watched Dwayne and I'm fearful that we get one year of him. And then we go back to, you know, what the offense we've had, you know, for the last, you know, couple of years under, under JT, which is you're a not, really good not like offense for the Tate Martell era. Like that's not, it's not that it's nothing against him. Like, I think he'll be great. I mean, I yeah. think he's a gamer. I think he'll be great, but Johnny, this is pure joy watching yes. this kid throw the ball. It's super nuts. I look, I will say this. I agree with you uh, in the sense that Ohio State's ceiling as an offense is probably higher with Dwayne Haskins than JT Barrett. I also think that a lot of credit has to go to the wide receivers. Um, it's not just that the coaching is better. It's also that I think some of these guys are just running better routes. They're, they're a year more seasoned. Uh, and, you know, the potential was always there. But that was what so what was so frustrating about them last year is that you see these guys with these physical tools and – Obviously, they you know they they can get in position, but they just weren't doing what they needed to do in terms of like blocking and, and route running and stuff. And that's all present this year. So even though you know we were ragging on Austin Mack for the drops, you know, in the one game, yeah. and you know that, he's done really well overall for the season. He's done a great job, and I think the wide receivers overall have done a great job. Paris has been great. KJ Hill has been great. Those are the things that you need to make a a passing offense click and they've got, I mean, they've got legitimately five dudes who are really, really good, like up and down. So I got to give them a lot of credit as well because they were dumped on for the past, you know, two years plus. And I think they're really, really showing out in 2018. Two things to that. Uh, Number one, if you have a guy who you know will get you the ball, you (laughs) run better routes. Yes. And, and number two, because of Dwayne's arm strength, you now guys are more open because you can right. use the entire field, you know, where in the, in the JT offense, you couldn't think how many plays a game like JT. You, I don't know the stats. I'm making this up, but it felt like in my mind's eye that JT probably had between 10 to in the, in the really hard games, upwards of 20 carries. But I would say his average carry does. Would you think it'd be fair to say 10 to 12? Oh yeah. Easily. Yes. Average. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's 10 to 12 plays a game where JT was the only one to touch the ball. Dwayne Haskins runs it twice a game. <laughs> I mean, right. And the rest goes to everybody else. So that's a lot. If you have 50, 60 plays and now there's 10 more where you might get a touch, it changes the way that you go about your business. Um, and you know, I, I don't, there's no reason to go back and I just think when you watch this kid play, and this has been my, my real thing that I've told anybody who's asked and, you know, we, we tend to do things where people want to ask your opinion a lot. And, and I just feel like really enjoy him because he's, he was, James brought this up on the air on the radio show. And I thought it was spot on. He, he goes, it, and he said it just as I was about to, it, it happened on Friday. And, and we said, you know, 2000, 2006, Ohio state with Troy Smith, like mm-hmm. just an electric offense with an ability to use the whole field. And that takes a big arm to be able to do that. And this kid's got one. And I'm just going to do the best I can to soak it up because, you know, it's, he's going to be gone. I mean, I, I'm kind of resigned to the fact that he's one and done. Yeah. It, it's, it's been a lot of fun to watch if they can get the Russian game to be as complimentary as it needs to be rather than, you know, going for essentially yeah. like an air raid kind of Texas tech, you know, circa 2008 yeah, kind of thing. They're committed uh, to I, it. I mean, they, they have the attempts, they just don't have the success. 
Right. And, and that's, and that's, what's crazy about it. Like, I think there was a stat that we were pulling up on Slack either today or yesterday that, you know, the percentage of rushing plays versus passing plays, it's pretty close to even, but the amount of yards generated from those plays and granted, you're always going to get more yards from, uh, from passing, but the, the actual discrepancy is pretty crazy. And the, the yards per carry have gone down every single game, like literally six games in a row. It has gotten worse. They got to figure something out with either the, the run blocking or what they're trying to, you know, the positions they're putting Weber and Dobbins in uh, just isn't working. So they got, I think they've got to tweak it a little bit. I don't think they have to, you know, change wholesale what they've been doing, mm-hmm. but they just, they need a bigger off, uh, emphasis on that because you need to be, I don't, I'm not a believer that you need to be super balanced, but I think you need to at least have the threat that teams have to respect. And, you know, they start just dropping guys back and looking, you know, head hunting, looking for, you know, errant passes and stuff. I think that's going to neuter the passing game a little bit. So I, I want to see a rushing game that isn't necessarily amazing, but at least keeping defenses honest. Yeah. And so does Urban. I mean, you could tell yeah. that post game, like he's, yeah. he's, it's not, it's, it's not good enough. Uh, right. All right. Coming up next, uh, Johnny will be joined by AP college football writer, Ralph Russo. We will do that coming up next and then still ahead. Ask us anything. We'll look ahead. Uh, we play the rope boat or the boat rowing guy. We play them. Uh, they used to be Minnesota. They're not anymore. Now they just are oars. Uh, right. Before we do that though, we encourage you to visit 11 warriors dry goods for shirts, hats, stickers, and more dry goods at 11 warriors.com. All right. Joining us tonight is AP writer and, you know, I think pollster examiner extraordinaire, Ralph Russo. Thank you so much for coming on tonight and talking a little, uh, you know, top 25 football with us. Oh, pleasure to be, uh, be with you guys. Yeah. You know, so here's the thing. As an Ohio State fan, I think one of the things that we have to deal with is an endemic anxiety about Ohio State success. Even when you've got one of the best coaches of all time, an incredible f- fertile recruiting ground you know, recruiting classes that are in the top three every single year, even the slightest, smallest thing can just set us off into a just a spiraling pit of despair. And, we, you know, Ohio State had a not impressive looking win against Indiana. And I believe me, we were definitely talking about that ad nauseum on the site and in the podcast and stuff like that. You are a little bit higher, though. You've got you've got your heat check. You've been talking about this. You said that maybe Ohio State was even a little bit too low at number three this week. So I, I wanted to I wanted some sunshiny optimism in this podcast. And I would like you to maybe explain why that is. Yeah, well, listen, I, I'm definitely seeing some of the reasons why people are getting nervous. Right. Yeah. So. You know, I'm seeing these big plays on defense and the back seven and, and worrying a little bit and would be worried a little bit, too. However, um, you know, through the first and, you know, sometimes with the heat check thing and where they should be ranked, that's also a resume deal. Right. I mean, right. there's also an element of, listen, Ohio State winning at Penn State you know, might be the best win of the season that any team in the country has as of right now. I mean, we're only, we're, we're not even quite to the halfway point, but, you know, going into Penn state and beating what is, I'm sure will be a really good Penn state team by the time the season where, you know, wears along in one of the toughest road environments in the country and coming from behind to do it is pretty impressive. Now, if if you want this to be a shutdown defensive team, it's probably not going to be that but the offense is going to be ridiculously explosive and you probably have amazingly enough you have replaced the most productive quarterback in the history of the program with a player who's a lot better. <laughs> uh, right. 
right? I, I mean, you know, Haskins just is everything you would want and, and sort of the prototypical NFL quarterback. He's sort of an old school prototypical NFL quarterback in that like now we're starting to see guys who are a little more mobile and a little smaller and that, that kind of works in the NFL now. Haskins is like the 1995 model of an NFL quarterback. Right. He's huge. He has a big arm. He's not particularly mobile. He throws effortlessly and he throws incredibly accurately. You have this array of ridiculous receivers where the sixth best guy is Ben Victor, who made two of the best catches over the last two weeks of the season that you'll see. So, you know, and I think if anything, they get away from the running game too quickly because Dobbins is a beast and I think he actually gets a little underused. So I guess what I would say is athletically, they are one of the few teams I can see matching up with Alabama, even with all their shortcomings on the defensive side. I guess about a week ago, I tweeted out, is, is, are their defensive problems a flaw or a fluke? Because right. in some ways, you're giving up – like 90-yard plays just don't happen, right? They never – they literally never happened in the history of, of Ohio State football. And then all of a sudden, you give up two 93-yard plays. Right. <laughs> so, so on a certain level, when you're giving up some of these big plays, it's a little weird, right? I mean, you have to have a couple of guys take bad angles. Maybe guys – you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a missed assignment. Guys run into each other. I think we've seen enough evidence, though, now that it probably is a flaw, right? It's probably there's something going wrong with this defense where, be it, you know, coverage assignments or bad angles by, by linebackers and safeties that are allowing some bigger plays here. But again, I think it comes back to athletes. You know, to a certain degree in college football, if you've got all the fours and five stars, then you can just sort of unleash your freaks and and win games and I think that's what Ohio State has that only a handful of other teams have they are the top tier along with Georgia Alabama Clemson I think Alabama might be on a tier all to itself right but you know I I I, I definitely see like like reasons for anxiety I saw some guys on you know on Twitter and online some Ohio State fans sort of you know, all of a sudden, like bracing for a Purdue game at night because that game could get a little <laughs> weird. Right? And I could see that, especially Jeff Brom's offense. It, Purdue's actually been pretty good despite losing three games. So if you're bracing yourself for where is this team going to slip, I can understand it. If you're not playing sound defense, you're, you, you are sort of opening yourself up for that game that sort of gets away like Iowa did last year. Mm-hmm. But I'm here to tell you, that I think Haskins and that offense are going to be able to make up for a lot of mistakes. And if you're comfortable winning some games like they did last week, 40-odd-something to high 20s, um, you know, maybe that's where your hot mind needs to be. That, like, that there might be a few more of those down the road, but you have a quarterback and an offense that is going to be able to win those games for you. Right. Well, so that actually brings up two things I want to talk about. We can tell you what, let's go right into the Alabama question, because despite the nervousness that a lot of Ohio state fans have had because of the defense primarily, and and, you know, the diminished running game, I think has also made some people a little bit nervous. 
Um, I, I think conversely, though, that I agree with you in terms of athleticism and in the type of play that Ohio State has. I think if you want to beat Alabama this year, teams got to be able to to punch. You know what I mean? They've got to be able to score points. And that, I, despite the defense not being super awesome, I think you have to be able to beat Alabama with a really brilliant offense. And I think that is the the goal that Ohio State can get to. And I don't know. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think honestly, at this point, they may have there may be other teams that can beat them right now, but I think Ohio State has the best chance on paper at least and the way they're playing to beat a team like Alabama towards the end of the year just because of a guy like Dwayne Haskins and the wide receivers that you mentioned. I think that's gonna be the team that kind of the kind of team that keeps Alabama on its toes. Well, here's we'll, we'll loop in the Alabama question with just how, how this plays out for the rest of the year, too, for, for Ohio State. Because I'll go back to as faulty as that defense is at times, they have the one thing that you need most in, in, in really football, but in college football, to play decent defense. And that is the ability to make negative plays. Right. Right. I, I think right. that any defensive coordinator will tell you at this point, you know, College offenses are, are are kind of bananas. They're really hard to stop in general. Very few teams, you know, come at you with an offense that is going to. So the way you stop them is you you just you make a, a few negative plays. You get teams behind the sticks, and then they have to punt, or you force turnovers because of that pressure. You know, long term, when you start thinking like big picture, Alabama, maybe a Clemson or a Georgia or somebody like that in the playoff, if you get there. You know, you'd love to think, like, sort of wish cast Nick Bosa back. And, <laughs> and, and you put him and Chase Young and Draymond Jones, and now all of a sudden you're tenacious up front. I mean, you have maybe the best front and best pass rush in, in college football. But they're still generating that pass rush. And I think that ultimately is what will probably bail them out a lot through the season if their defense is still glitchy. It's, you know, they're, they're, and much like, again, like it did against Penn State and again, certainly against TCU, you're going to just make some plays through that pass rush that will get teams behind the sticks that will force a big turnover here and there. And I right. think most of all, again, when we sort of flip it back to the Alabama question, I, I, if you can get some heat on Tua, he hasn't seen that yet. Now, Alabama will face competition that will probably be able to put heat on him later in the season but you know there's no way you're stopping those Alabama receivers from running free if you give him time um you're not locking down Alabama in any way shape or form you know by by dropping eight you're gonna have to get to a <laughs> and again if you have if you can wish cast this into the future if you have Bosa on one side and young on the other, I think you got a chance to get to any quarterback in the country. Yeah. Well, so here's so here's the the other part of of what you were saying a little bit earlier. You know, we talk about Purdue, and I think Ohio State fans we've <laughs> we've had so many run ins with Purdue, particularly at Purdue, and some really just terrible losses, even recently that I think has stuck in the memory of Ohio State fans. That night game at Purdue does not really sit well with anybody. But to me, it brings up the larger question, which is. Let's say the unthinkable happens, the unsinkable happens. We have a, you know, a Titanic type loss at Purdue. It's it's terrible. It's awful. Given the state of the Big Ten and a, and a conference that really I don't think has performed to people's expectations this year, can Ohio State survive a loss in mid October and still make the college football playoff? 
Yeah, and here's what I'll say to that, because it's not just exclusively an Ohio State answer. Uh, we, we look at the, the array of unbeaten teams right now, and it's easy to sort of fall into, oh, look at Alabama. Well, they're going to go undefeated. Oh, look at Clemson. Well, how are they not going to lose a game? Boy, Notre Dame's got a pretty favorable schedule. Maybe they'll go 12-0. and and, right. you know, Georgia seems to have a little tougher path now because some of those SEC East teams now have, have sort of risen from the dead. So maybe Georgia's got a little bit of a minefield coming up in the next few weeks. It, you can sort of talk yourself into four, three, four, five undefeated teams at the end of the year. And then all of a sudden, if, if you do, if you're the one team that has a misstep, you're out. The likelihood of that happening is very, very slim. Most likely, <laughs> we will get to December 3rd, which is Selection Sunday. And I'm guessing, it, it, let's take UCF from the conversation uh, for now, because none of those people are listening anyway, so we don't have to worry about them getting on us. Um, <laughs> we have a very large contingent on the dubcast of UCF fans. Let's be real. Come on. Don't shortchange them. They, they are everywhere these days That's right. and, and ready to pounce. But let, let's move <laughs> them to the side for a sec and just look at, you know, the Power Five conferences and Notre Dame. And, you know, I guess there's eight teams right now that are undefeated in there. The chances of getting to December 3rd and having more than two of those teams be undefeated is pretty slim because it just doesn't happen. In the four years of college football playoff, there have been three undefeated teams to enter the college football playoff total in four years. If you want to go back to the BCS era, very rarely did you have more than two undefeated teams. And that's going to, you know, the, you know, the old guys like me, that's the age of the dinosaur, possibly, <laughs> practically. You had teams that were playing, that weren't playing 12, excuse me, weren't playing 12 regular season games weren't playing nine conference games, and some teams weren't playing a conference championship game. Everything is set to sort of have at least one misstep with these teams. So I guess that's a long-winded way of me saying, like, my guess is, is Ohio State will be able to sustain a loss, win the Big Ten, and still be okay for the playoff. And I would sort of say that, about almost any team in the country. I think everybody's probably got a little room for one slip-up. You know, Clemson lost to Syracuse last year and still got in the playoffs. <laughs> Clemson lost yes. to Pittsburgh the year before and won the whole damn thing. The year Ohio State may have had the first or second best team in the country, 2015, Michigan State that year made the playoff ahead of Ohio State because Michigan State won the head-to-head. -head. Michigan State lost to Nebraska, which won five games that year. So there's room for a, a misstep here for every team in the country, I think. I, I really do. And I think there's enough power in the, in the, in the Big Ten East where if, let's say, you, 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 you stumble over your shoelaces at Ohio – excuse me, at Purdue – but you still have a resume that has a win at Penn State, a, a win over TCU, which my guess is by the end of the year, TCU will be pretty good, will look pretty good. Yeah. Um, a victory against Michigan, a victory against Michigan State, which might not be quite as dazzling as you thought it might be, but nonetheless is probably a pretty good team, and a victory over Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. you got those five games that's sort of at the top of your resume. I think a, win, a loss to Purdue will be a, you'll be able to uh, to make up for that with that type of resume because again I think everybody else will probably have 
a loss or two between now and then. So, and that's the thing, I mean, because you, you know, you said it like you think, right? Because college football is inherently chaotic and that's what we love about it. And that's what makes it awesome. Uh, I, real quick, I, I know you got to get out of here, but I, I want to give you one last quick question. Uh, I have been following Michigan. I actually write a piece for the site called uh, Threat Level Michigan, and I just kind of monitor their progress as the year goes on. I am starting to get slightly nervous about their team and about how good they could be potentially by the end of November. Obviously, they have three huge games coming up that they have to take care of. Um but what what's your take on those guys? How, how do you feel the team up north is progressing so far this season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be the guy who uh, who's going to go down with the Michigan ship because I, <laughs> I like I'm going to be the person who is who people are going to look at and say, "Oh, you believed in Harbaugh. You're such a dope." Like I, I think Michigan is good. I think Michigan's going to be good. I think Michigan could beat Ohio State by the end of the year. I, I, I picked up, I picked Michigan to make the playoff at the beginning of the year before the season, which was a little batty. But my <laughs> feeling is there's always at least – well, I mean, it's, it's a little – it sort of falls in line like this. If you look at the, the – it's not exactly a long history, but the four-year history of the playoff, in the last three seasons you have had at least one team come from the, the preseason ranking teens somewhere in that 13, 14, 15 area. And yeah, make a sweet spot. Playoff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was Georgia last year. Uh, it was o- Oklahoma a few years ago. I think Clemson actually, in Deshaun's first year, was about 11 or so. So you always sort of had that team a little uh, – Washington was one of those teams. I think they were 14. So you always have a team that's a little off the beaten path that makes it. And Michigan at 14 just sort of jumped out at me. So – I saw them play against Notre Dame, and the offense looked kind of disjointed. But you could absolutely positively see that just in one game that Shea Patterson was so much better than Michigan has had a quarterback over the last couple of years. It was just so blatantly obvious that there was something to work with there. I still think they're they're in sort of a little bit of a no-man's land offensively where they're not quite – wide open, spread the field, let Patterson make plays, but they're not quite what Harbaugh wants to be in his heart, which is tight ends and fullbacks. Like right. there's sort of a combination of those two things, and I'm not sure you know, what that means in the long run. But the defense is excellent. Patterson is very talented. So, yeah, I'm here to tell you that, like, uh, to, to, like to sort of validate your fears. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're not fears all- yet, but if – if they get past, you know, they get past, you know, the Penn States and the Michigan State, if they get past all of that, uh, I think we're going to have a really crazy matchup at the end of November, which I'm, I mean, look, I'm not one of those Ohio State fans that wants Michigan to be perpetually terrible and lose every single game on the schedule. I think the rivalry and college sports in general are better when both of these teams are kick ass and really doing great jobs and, you know, beating everybody else. So I don't want, I don't want them to beat Ohio State. I don't want them to even come close. But I like it when both teams are good, and I'm starting to see them evolve into something much more competent than I saw, you know, three or four weeks ago. So yeah, and uh, I would I, I would I would say that the best Ohio State fans are those Ohio State fans are the ones <laughs> that, that really that really want Michigan to be excellent right to the point where they can crush them. Exactly right. right. Exactly like it, it, right. That is exactly yeah, it, my mentality, and I appreciate you buttering me up on my own podcast. That is that that cements you as the best guest we've ever had. So I appreciate it. 
uh ap's ralph russo thank you so much for coming on that was great insight and uh definitely appreciated right here in the middle of the season because things are about to ramp up so enjoy uh the next few days get ready for uh some big time craziness i think the next few weeks absolutely and thanks very much and don't forget to follow the 11 dubcast on twitter and rate and subscribe on itunes or wherever you get your podcast we would be very appreciative it is minnesota week it is a noon start Noon? I said that like Ron Burgundy. <laughs> it is noon? I, yes, noon, right? We is that locked in? I think it is. I believe um, so. Yeah, because we're prime time against Purdue. The right. night, which is weird, and it's just yeah. crazy that we're terrifying. Prime time. I know it is. I don't like the look of it either. <laughs> um, but it is a it's a noon start against Minnesota, coming off of a kind of a weird four o'clock start with um, last weekend's Indiana for homecoming. So back to noon, which is beautiful. We love the noon starts. And Minnesota is, uh, you know, this is a stretch, and it's very likely. I was thinking about this, Johnny. It's very likely that Ohio State will not play another ranked team until Michigan, and that is predicated on Michigan continuing to win. Um, but it's it's very likely that 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 will be it, because the other thing about this is is you will probably not play a, because I don't think Wisconsin is going to beat Michigan or Penn State. So I think Wisconsin could have three losses. I think it's possible that you could play Iowa in a Big Ten championship game. No man, um, I know, I know. That's that would be crazy um, so, for several reasons. That would be so. First of all, that yeah. would be nuts, obviously, for the revenge aspect. But we're dealing with Newkirk right now, right? Like this is not footloose and fancy free. Yeah, man, this is the Kirk Ferentz who's like, you know what? I need another twenty-year contract extension. So let's let's light her up. And you uh, say that though, but I always am quick to defend him because I appreciate Iowa for know for knowing their limitations. Like he is, he is the best they can do. That is that is true. That is very they, they, true. You're not doing better. So like. Them paying him five million is a bargain. Like they've they've played, they've won nine, ten games. They, every once in a while they spring an upset like they did on us. They they have gone to Rose Bowls, they've gone to Orange Bowls, they've, you know, like they're Iowa. Like that's that's all you can be. Well, I think that I so I would agree with that. I think the joke though is that maybe people didn't expect him to be able to maintain that, you know, like, cause that's a, that's a really fine line to walk. Like either you're going to be really good or you're eventually going to drop off. And he's been able to keep Iowa in that sweet spot where he is. You're right. He is basically the best that they can really hope for. And yeah. I, I was just really skeptical that that was going to happen. I really thought Kirk Ferentz was going to be a guy who was just going to tank after, you know, so many years. And then, you know, they're on the NFL hook for wanted million dollars. I mean, he, could have been the, he could have been the coach of the Cowboys. I mean, he's, <laughs> That's he's right. From the Belichick right. tree, like I mean, he could have had an NFL job at any point. He chose to yeah. stay at Iowa, and and to me, Iowa is a cautionary tale. You, know, I mean, the cautionary tale is Illinois, who thought that they could do better than Ron Zook. Mm-hmm. The, the cautionary tale is Minnesota. You know, when they thought they could do better uh, than Glenn Mason. No, 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 no. That's who you are. That's who you are. <laughs> Be comfortable in who you are. Be comfortable. I mean, Ron Zook got Illinois to a Rose Bowl. That's How's right. that worked since, since he's been out? <laughs> not well, right? Not right. Maybe, maybe be appreciative of who you are. You, you're not entitled to being Ohio State or Michigan. You're not entitled to be Penn State. You're Iowa. You're well, Illinois. I think have, you're Minnesota. I think they have boosters who are about 98 years old and remember when they were Ohio State in the 1950s, the 1960s. With Minnesota? Yeah, well, Minnesota, Minnesota was legit in the 1940s and 50s. So yeah, they, they have national championships, in- yeah. Yeah, pushing yeah. 110 years old, you know. Yeah. Bringing back the glory days. Check your math on that. I don't know if you need to really I you know, I'm I, I'm a social studies teacher, Bo. This, yeah. is, this is not a part of my job requirement. I just bring it up because in college football everybody thinks they're entitled to be great. No, 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 right. no. 
No, no. Know your place. And I appreciate that Iowa does. Look at Nebraska. Nebraska thought that they – and Nebraska probably was entitled. I mean, that at one point was one of the great jobs. And right. they said, you know, Frank Solich isn't winning enough for us, even though he got him to a national championship game and they won the Big 12, won a Heisman with Eric Crouch. No, no that's not enough. we got to do better. So let's bring in Bill Callahan. And now look at him. <laughs> right. Now look – that's how fast it can – life comes at you fast when you think you need to be great in college football and you don't know your limitations. Um, so, look, th- this is a brutal – I'm not worried about Minnesota at all, zero – um and and so this is a stretch of games where we just kind of have to you know try to put up big numbers for Dwayne so he can stay in the Heisman race and Ohio State's going to play a lot of games where no one's going to watch other than people in Ohio and Buckeye boosters so essentially you're gonna be playing games in a closet for the next five weeks until until Michigan you're not going to play a game that no you're not gonna have game day there you're not going to get nothing I mean it's not until Michigan and so you're, you're going to have to be in a situation where what I call looking good on a Sunday. And what that means is back in the old days when you get the newspaper to see who won and who lost, if you didn't watch the game, but you just saw the box score, you go, oh, Ohio State took care of business. And that's really what this last week was against Indiana. Because if you don't watch the game, you don't realize it's a one-score game in the third quarter. Sunday morning, you read the newspaper, you look and you go, oh, 49-26, Ohio State did what it was supposed to do. So you need to have more of those <laughs> because no one's going to be watching these games. Yeah, I mean, you got five weeks for where nobody outside of Buckeye fans or alumni are going to watch these games. Well, I was about to say, like, who you're the team you're really competing against is the other teams in the top five of the of the yeah. polls. Like, you you really need to look good. And, right. and I think the analogy to Sunday, all- I look on Sunday is perfect because they do have to show up on highlight reels and they do have to be perceived yeah. as blowing out teams in the first half because you know. Look, if they went out there in the college football playoffs, there's no obviously no question about that. It's not no, something it's really not, to yeah, worry about. But just in terms of like placement and seating and things like that, you always want to look good. You want to improve the team, and yeah, you, you want to. You don't want to have to explain the team's performance on a Sunday or Monday. Uh, you would rather just let the the numbers speak for themselves. And you know, again, you put up 50 points against the next four or five teams in a yeah. row, people won't. They won't be asking any questions about it. They don't, and they won't care about That's the defense. It. Frankly, they just they'll see no. the you know they'll see how much uh, oh, how many points, how much yards the offense is getting, up. and they won't care. Yep. That's it. That's really it. And so, and the other all the teams that they're competing against, you know, Notre Dame to a lesser extent, but but Alabama and Georgia, they are going to be and Clemson, Clemson to a lesser extent, but Alabama and Georgia are going to be playing a lot of ranked ranked games. Right. You know, coming up, I think Georgia's got four in a row. So. Um, you know, there we won't have that. We're not gonna have that type of intention on us for a while. So this is, you know, there's not much you can say about Minnesota. It's Minnesota. Handle your business. Not too difficult. Um, do we have any ask us anything, my friend? We do. And if you guys would like to ask us anything, please send us a question to dubcast at 11warriors.com or hit us up on Twitter at 11dubcast. This was first one's from Steve and uh, big shout out to Steve, by the way. He he put in this PS that I just noticed, which is I P.S. I just donated my kidney and I'm on pain meds. So sorry, my English is broken. Wow. First of all, wow. Yeah, this is. I believe this is a Dubcast first where we've had somebody who has donated an organ and then decided that they're like Podcast their go-to person. move in recovery is like, man, I better ask the Dubcast guys this very important wow. question. God bless you. I know, right? I hope you didn't have a choice if you had to. Man, I am I'm very proud of you, Steve. That is uh that's legit. Good for you for doing that. That's that's a hell of a thing. Um he actually he references something. I'm not gonna read the whole entire question, it's a little bit long, but I, I want to uh emphasize that 
we're not the only people thinking about Dwayne possibly repacing uh, JT earlier because he says, uh, you know, do you guys think in retrospect that OSU handled the JT Haskins situation correctly? And could, do you think Urban Meyer is the kind of person who would have made that call if he felt that the team would really benefit? I think it's worth examining. And I think, I mean, no one's going to benefit from it now because you're not going to, there's no sense in, you know, burying JT after sure. he's gone, right? There's he's, no point. Again, Nobody benefits. One of the greatest quarterbacks in I say history. I still love JT Barrett. Yeah. yeah. And you, it, they're, again, they're not mutually exclusive. It can be both. Um, I think that Urban Meyer had an incredible loyalty to JT Barrett. And the two examples I would give of that, the most the biggest example is in 2015 where he named him a captain yeah. as a sophomore um, off of one season. And it was a great season. He finished fifth in the Heisman. But uh, to name him a captain on that team uh, when you had named Cardale Jones the starting quarterback, that was an – you undermined yourself a little bit there. Um, and it also allowed for JT Barrett to be a three-time captain, which is crazy. I mean, we, we don't have those. And so um, – I think that's your first part of it. And I think that there, to answer your question, do I think Urban Meyer would have made the change if he thought that would have been better? No, because I think what Urban Meyer has a lot of that is, in, and it's really very similar to Trestle is they just go about it different ways, but they just want to win the surest way. Mm-hmm. And I think Urban Meyer knew that he could trust JT Barrett in tight spots. And in 2015 against Michigan state, obviously far too much. He believed that JT Barrett's legs could win him a lot of games. Yeah. And so I- that was winning the surest way was snap the ball to JT and it will get six yards. Yeah. 100% agree on that. And I, you know, again, and I think that's really common for most coaches. It, it, I, as much as I can't stand Nick Saban in a lot of ways, you have to give him credit for recognizing that and making an incredibly difficult choice and in the most insane possible situation as well. So, you know, I, I don't think Urban Meyer pulls that trigger, but you know, Nick Saban did and it's, it's paid off for him. Uh, this next one here is from Dan. He wants to know if Ohio State does manage to get into the playoffs this year, who would be our preferred matchup? Would it be a revenge game against Clemson? Another shot to be Bama, game against Burrow, probably not at this point. Uh, guaranteed win no. against Notre Dame. What do you what do you think? What would you like? <laughs> I like guaranteed win against Notre Dame. I think that's pretty yeah. good. Um good. I would like to play anybody but Alabama in the semifinal. That's uh, yes. what I would like. Agree. Uh, anybody but Alabama. I don't want to be the four seed and play them nope. because I am somebody. Maybe I'm wrong in this, but I'm somebody that believes that this uh, Tua Tonga Vailoa is just on a completely another level. He twice now, twice has thrown more touchdowns than incompletions and has not thrown a pass in a fourth quarter of a game all year. <laughs> Think about that. That's ridiculous. That's like one of the. That's like a riddle. Like we're trying to escape a room. You're trying yeah. to find the inconsistency, right. like in the logic that just doesn't more make touchdowns. Any- more touchdowns than incompletions. <laughs> Two weeks in a row. What? <laughs> what you did? Wait, you did what? I mean, it doesn't even make sense. And no. I mean, he was ten of thirteen for three thirty-five, and 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 four touchdowns. He averaged thirty yards of completion against an Arkansas trash. I'm not acting like they're great, but but he's done this every game his his qbr is like 97 in every game so i i have no interest in playing them in, in and i'm not and i think ohio state can hang with them i think actually ohio state is more equipped because haskins is further along than trevor lawrence yep. i think ohio state is more equipped than anybody to hang with and beat them like i say it can't beat them i don't want to play in the semi 
semifinal. I, I would love to see Ohio State Georgia. I think would be a fun just because we when do we play Georgia? So I yeah, think never. I think Ohio State Georgia would be a really fun. I have no interest in seeing Clemson again for obvious reasons, but um, I, I'd love to see Georgia. I'd love to see like an ideal Final Four for me would be Ohio State. Like hopefully, if Clemson were to lose, Ohio State and Georgia, Alabama, uh, like Notre Dame or Oklahoma somehow getting themselves back or West Virginia, somebody like that getting their way back or even Penn state, you know, so you have two North teams against two South teams. I'd like to see that. But that would be fun. West Virginia would be a really interesting option for that, by the way, Holgo getting in there, I think would be really cool. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm stuck in the sunk cost fallacy, but I would like to get some kind of vengeance against Clemson at some point. I don't think that's really what I want, but that's what I think I want. Uh, I'm 100% with you. I have n- I don't want any part of Alabama in the semifinal. They're in the final fine. That can be a huge epic matchup, but I don't want any part of that in the semi. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think the Notre Dame matchup would be really fun, although I really hate Brian Kelly to a, really an irrational degree at this point. So I think I'd want a fun one, and I think Georgia really is probably the best choice. For That'd that. be fun. I yeah, I mean, when's the last time Ohio State's played Georgia? Yeah, like never. So, I, yeah, that would be, be like some random game in the early eighties or late seventies. I mean, I don't, I don't have the answer. Do they have a bowl in the nineties at some point, or am I just making that up? I see like Eric Zier in a bowl game, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I can't, I can't think of a specific instance, but oh well. Uh, Next one here. This one's from Alvin. Just real quick. What is our movie of the year? What's our favorite movie of the year this year? Let me try to think if I've seen a movie this year. <laughs> How often do you get to go to the movies with? Uh, I haven't been to a. I have not been to a movie. I took my kids to Peter Rabbit, which was the first movie that I've been to in the theater since my oldest was born six years ago. So incredible. I have not seen a movie in the theater. That was it in six years was Peter Rabbit. Let me think if I've seen a movie start to finish this year, <laughs> other than Peter Rabbit. Yeah, well, it's got to be Peter Rabbit then. I mean. Well, it's pretty good as a, you know, as a kid's, you know, James Corden's in there as the bunny. That's pretty good. I don't think I've got a, that's it. That's crazy. Now that we're (laughs) saying that, like, I don't think I've seen another movie. Um, yeah. Does that blow your mind that I have not seen? Well, it doesn't, you know what, because I have a lot of friends, you know, I got a lot of coworkers who have had kids around the same time. And that's always been the refrain from them. Like, we don't know what movies are. We've never seen a movie, so it's not. No, you can do, you can do TV shows because it's an hour. Right, right. It's short enough. I can get get you an hour. I can set aside an hour, but two hours. I mean, there's just no chance. Yeah. Uh, We saw me and my wife, Courtney, we saw Black Klansman uh, about two or three weeks ago. It's really good. And, and look, Spike Lee for me is kind of up and down. But one thing that I always really love about Spike Lee is that you can always tell that you're watching a Spike Lee movie. Like he's, he, he is just so good at making each movie kind of his. It's kind of like watching a Quentin Tarantino movie yeah. or a, you know, like a Scorsese movie or something. Like, you know, it's their movie. Coen Brothers, and there's a feel. Exactly. And Spike, that, that is a really, really good movie. It's really small. Like, it's not this huge, big you know, sprawling kind of movie. It's it's just really self-contained, but the performances are great. It's really funny. I recommend people go watch it. It's, it's pretty awesome. I am actually really looking forward to um, First Man. I, I really want to see that with, uh, yeah. yeah, with, you know, talk about Neil, Neil Armstrong getting on the moon. And, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I think Ryan Gosling is going to be legit in that. He's one of my favorite actors. He was really great in the Blade Runner movie uh, last year. So I'm a big fan of that. 
Um, we got before one you get more. to that. I really, I really got to ask you this one because I, I before we get to that, I got to tell you. Yeah, go Ohio ahead. State has played Georgia once in 1993. Oh my God, that's it. One time, one time in the entire history. history. Yeah, and that very that could have been the timing of that might have been an Eric Zier. So wow. we, may, we may have, you said the 90s, and I think I mean, I'm making it up. That would have been close to that era. That's that fantastic. Close. One time. Those two that's times. unbelievable. They've only played once. Yeah. Um. All right, last one here, and I'm, I'm glad we get to end on this one. Uh, this is from uh, Shaddy. Uh, Shaddy wants to know, so with the news that uh, Tim May may be you know, heading off for greener oh. pastures here at the end of the year, first of all, who becomes the new dean of the press room? And do you have any good Tim May stories this year? I actually have a Tim May story oh, that I want geez. to tell you. So I want do you to I tell your – tell you what, let me tell my Tim May story because mine's not going to be nearly as good as whichever one you're going to have. So let me say yeah. this one real quick. Before we had beat writers, uh, I, I did the beat thing. I went to the Ohio Stadium, sat in the press box, reported on a couple games, and you know went to the field and all that crap. And I had to park. I didn't have like a, a, pa- like a, a parking pass, so I parked like four miles away. And mm-hmm. I, it was a late game, so I was there until like 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night, and I'm just typing up crap. And I'm walking out of the stadium, and I'm just talking with Tim a little bit. And I, I was like completely starstruck by everything that I was experiencing that day because I, I was – I mean, this is six, seven years ago. Yeah. I had never been in the press box before. I didn't know any of these dudes. And so I'm just like, you know, shooting the shit with Tim May, and he's asking me where I parked. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I parked on like – a third or something mm-hmm. and so he's like oh no 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 that's not what happened so he he had me get in his uh his car and he drove me to my car and he mm-hmm. spent the entire 10 minute ride talking non-stop did not take a breath uh asked me one question i told him that i just got back from japan and he was like oh japan and then he talks about the mike tyson fight um yep. you know with buster douglas and he just goes into it and the dude is just like immediately personable and it was it was a great car ride he did not stop for a breath the entire time and he's a really good dude and he's going to be missed i i I have two what i want to do we'll have him on this podcast and then and then i will tell then then we'll have him on and we'll tell stories okay because for me to say to do one i i've got a thousand i mean there's not enough yeah let's just let's do that let's do the entire podcast that's perfect We'll do an entire podcast on it. And um, what I will say about this is that Tim May is is prob is one of the most sincere, nice, hardest working, glass half full, always <laughs> people that I've ever met. And if, yeah. if there is any decency uh, in the world, they rename that press box the Tim May press box because it would That'd be, be awesome. appropriate. He's covered, I think, 40 seasons of <laughs> Ohio State football. Yeah, he's been he has been the number one guy on the beat for damn near all of that time. Yeah. Um, when you think of beat writer Ohio State, it's Tim May. There, yeah. you don't even. I mean, Doug's done a great job, and there are people that come through and they try to, you know, they get a little bit of, they make a run at it, and all of that. But there is nobody who has who did that for that long at that level, and in the old days. Um, not the old days, but I mean, up until the last couple of years, it's been it, like, you think about who breaks a story. Uh, it was Tim May. And and I think yeah. if you, he broke almost all of them. And I, I think if you go back to the history of this site and you think of the, the breaking of the urban story, um, like beating Tim May to that, it's crazy. <laughs> no, well that's, and that's the metric that, that you have to hold yourself to. Right. Yes. And, I just, and, and I think no one had done that. I mean, no one, you know, right. cause Tim broke everything for a hundred years. 
He broke yeah. everything. And it was almost like, and I remember like using your guys' reporting on, on that uh, when that happened and using it on 10 TV, but I was waiting the next day to have Tim corroborate it. Yeah. Like I, it's almost like I needed him to say, yeah, I think they're right. I think yeah. they're right. I mean, that's what I needed in order for me to go, okay, thank God. As long as he said, <laughs> um, you know, the next Dean on the beat is there. I don't know. I don't know who that would be. I mean, there's some guys who have been there forever. I mean, I think Adami at channel 10, I think a clay hall at channel six, those guys have been there forever, you know, mm-hmm. and clay goes to every game home and away. I mean, he's as good a guy as you'll find. There's this, that's the other overall overarching thing with that beat is there are incredible people on it. Like yeah, the best I would people. agree with that. I just I will never forget Tim May just like talking and helping out a dude who he doesn't know and has clearly never seen before. And Johnny, you know, he would he had no reason to give any. None of that surprises me, right? Because that's the that's dude right in his character. That's right. who he is. I mean, the the most fun you can have, and and I recommend you know if you can get some time, if you go on a bowl trip with with <laughs> Ohio State, the most fun you can have is uh, late. At, I don't think Tim drinks it anymore but he and not because he had a problem but he just made a decision not to but in the in the early time when i first got to columbus the most fun you could ever have was and i remember it because we played in the fiesta bowl all the time but was sitting outside at the camelback uh with a fire and having a, a cocktail and just telling stories and the stuff that would come out was just it was the best stuff it was the best stuff you don't replace tim may you don't replace him i mean he's i would agree with that uh, he's an institution he's yeah, as good as that's that's ask us anything for this week. And yeah, we will definitely have to have that dude on Uh great yeah, guy. I uh, can't wait. That'll be fun. Yep. Yeah, that'll be good. All right. Uh, good stuff. And we thank Ralph Russo for coming on as well. And next week we will break down the little uh, boat rowing guy and, and his gophers against, <laughs> uh, against the bucks and, and look ahead to kind of a tricky one. Could be a tricky one. Oh, man. Uh, man. We will do that next week right here <laughs> on the Dubcast. We'll talk to you next week, buddy. Yep. Talk to you next week.